I was certain that we were going to win gold at the Olympics. I just, I felt like we were building and continuing the momentum that we had generated in, in the season before. And I was so, it was scary almost. Cause I'm like, holy shit, we're, we're going to do this. Welcome everyone to Minds Your Business, the podcast that likes to explore the minds of its two hosts, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player, which is me, Jimmy Conrad, and your celebrated sports psychologist, Dr. Lee Hancock, who will say very humbly that he's not celebrated unless it's his birthday, but I assure you, he is the man. And we have a very special show for you today because the current best volleyball player in the world, Sarah Pavin, is on the show. And Lee, I know you know her pretty well. What should everybody else know about her? Yeah, so I'm excited to be here, and it's my birthday today, so you can celebrate <laughs> yeah. me today, Jimmy. Oh, I happy you knew birthday, that. Yeah, yeah, amazing. It's also amazing. tomorrow and the next day and the next day, so if you want to go <laughs> into any of those, we're good. We're good. Uh, yeah, I know her really well. Um, I think this is going to be a really unique experience um, for me and for all of us and for the listeners because she is a current athlete that I'm working with, and Sarah is... Uh, a volleyball player. She's a very accomplished volleyball player. She played indoor for a number of years. She was a four-time All-American at Nebraska and a 4.0 GPA and just really a, a brilliant uh, person and an accomplished athlete in Europe uh, and, in, and in overseas in Asia where the indoor leagues are, are huge, um, indoor volleyball. And made the transition about, I'd say, seven or eight years ago onto the sand, which is also a very unique experience. I mean, think about athletes kind of moving between, um, pieces of sports, like a, like a, a beach soccer athlete going into, going into outdoor, outdoor to indoor or something. It's not, not the same because volleyball is a bit different, but, uh, making that transition is a whole another skill set. So she was able to then change those. Uh, she then played in, in, in Rio and, um, has gotten better and better. And, and now is really probably considered one of the best, if not the best volleyball players in the world and is one half of the team that I work with and um, is currently the world champion and currently best blocker in the world. And so they, she's accomplished as an athlete, but I think more importantly, she's just, she's an amazing person. So I'm, yeah, I'm totally excited to, to chat her up and have you chat her up. So I thought we came to an agreement that we wouldn't have people that were cooler than us on the show, you know, but I mean, she ticks so many boxes. She is incredibly accomplished, super amazing. So I do have a lot of questions, but I mean, again, that rule, Lee, yeah, I, she, thought we were on, she, I thought we were on the same page here about, you know, she's like a super cool person and, you know, she got, know. She got a lot going for her. And, and I think this is probably going to happen a number of times, however, that people are cooler than I am. Mm. Cooler than you. I mean, that's probably for you to say, not me to say. <laughs> I mean, I can't help you there, but uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be really interesting conversation. And, um, yeah, super excited to see what she has to say. And honestly, I'm curious to hear what your questions are. You know, as you as you lend your experience and experiences to to the conversation, which I think will probably pull things out of her that that you know she again can only share with another high level pro. Which again, you and I have talked about. That's that's the beauty of the show and having two minds explore other minds in terms of their business. Well, now before we get to Sarah, 
Here's your friendly reminder, or as I like to call it, your friendly peer pressure to drop a rating, preferably five-star, and a review, preferably about how awesome we are, on iTunes or any other platform that allows you to do so, because our fragile egos depend on it. All right, Lee, you ready to do this? I'm ready. Yes, Sarah is on the show. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so my first question is going to rely on my experience growing up because I had parents that didn't play soccer. There was no pressure from them to to maybe live up to what they've achieved or in any of that stretch or any stretch of the imagination with with that regard. For you, you had parents that played volleyball and played on the national team as well. So did you feel pressure from them or, or external and internal? Um, I wouldn't say that I felt pressure because of their history as athletes. Um, my mom was an incredible volleyball player, um, but she is definitely the quiet, introverted, um, lovingly, just want to give you a hug kind of parent. Um, my dad was not as high a level, he did play, but not as high a level as my mom. But he was the one who coached me, who was in the gym with me every single day, and who definitely has more of the assertive, dominant presence. Um, I wouldn't say that they ever made me feel like I had to be amazing, but I definitely was made to feel growing up that there was always room to get better. Um, it was, I was never told as a child that I, I was playing well or that I was good. Um, so I developed this complex of just, I guess I have to work harder. I have to be better. I have to keep pushing and pushing because as a kid and especially as a girl, you want to please people. And I feel like female athletes especially have this desire to please, whether it be their coaches, their teammates, um, whoever. And so never receiving the feedback of, you're really good, it was okay, what can I do to make you feel like I'm really good? Um, so I wouldn't say it was so much pressure, but a different type of dynamic that kind of took over there. I'm writing this down because I have two daughters. Um, so, and I want them to play at least to a certain level so they can feel like a vital member at the very least of their high school team. Cause I feel like that changes your high school experience. But at the same time, I don't want to push them too much where they feel like they're doing it for me and not for themselves. So I find your insight uh, very fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I guess my next question then would be at what point did your parents stop being involved and really just became your support system as opposed to your dad in particular being the one that kind of pushed you and continued to push you? Well, um, I think it would have continued forever if I hadn't kind of put the stop to it. Um, he coached me in high school and club. He, he worked at my high school as well. And I went to college in the States and like I grew up in Canada. Um, and then I went and played professionally immediately overseas. And there was always the feeling that he, he still felt like he was my coach. And um, it took a lot of like maturing on my part and, and developing the self-awareness to realize that 
um, I was creating my own path and I knew what was best for me better than he did. Um, and so it was actually a conversation that had to take place recently. Um, probably later than it should have, but I just had to sit him down and be like, I, I know that you believe in me and I know that you believe in what I'm doing probably more than anybody, but I need you to be my father instead of my coach. I have hired people that I trust who I want to have that role in my life. And I want you to be my dad, not my coach. So we need to draw a line in the sand here and we need to move forward because I'm not willing to operate like this anymore. Yeah. Lee, you want to jump in here? Cause I, I can keep going. There's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. That's awesome. I appreciate you. This is, this is awesome. Sorry. Is that like way too intense? Ugh. No, it's no. not. I, 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 there's no, there's no too intense for this show. For okay, sure. cool. So I think, again, thanks for sharing that because I think that's amazing insight for a lot of young athletes as they're moving through their career. But as you think about the choice that you made to go to play in the States, would you say that that was a, I don't want to say a catalyst, but certainly a helpful moment to moving you towards kind of a self-realization and taking a bit more charge of your career and how you're moving through your, um, your choices as an athlete or even the maturation process? Um, <laughs> I feel like I moved from one environment to another that was very similar. Hmm. Like a safe um, place to grow. I mean, uh, the college experience for me was very intense. I chose to go to one of the top programs in the country um, where, again, performance was expected. And that is what I wanted. But it was another place where it was like, it's time to be better. I got you. So I wouldn't say that my evolution um, really happened until my late twenties. Um, because even moving from college to the professional setting, I played for some very high powered clubs where again, it was the expectation of winning, being better. Um, so I wouldn't say that I was necessarily put into environments that, uh, nurtured that thought process. It was something that I had to figure out by, trusting certain people, talking about things and really growing as a human to, to understand what I needed and, and wanted to be. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, the, the, so growth is happening at each of these places, but maybe um, not fully realized until you get overseas and you get some success and you figure out what you like and don't like about the trajectory of your career and why you're making these choices. Um, and then you get to a place in your late twenties, early thirties and the maturation of an athlete. And you're thinking, why am I doing this? You know, and, and the why becomes just a little bit different. And then you can reflect on 18, 19, 20, 25 and go, oh gosh, I maybe would have done this differently. Or now I see why I'm a little bit of clarity and why you do what you do. A little bit of clarity, but also as I mature and start working with the younger generation, just understanding that everybody has a different way of, of working and of absorbing information. And as a very intense, driven type A athlete, I am not the kid that needed to be pushed down and told 
to work harder and be better because I was naturally going to do that on my own. You know, the kid that's goofing around, likes to have a good time, the joker, okay, they need a little bit more structure and discipline and a kick in the butt every now and then. But the kid who's like focused in it, like already beating themselves up for doing something wrong and wondering and analyzing all the time, those kids are not the ones that need to be put in their place. And I felt that I was that kid that was being put in their place. So that just creates... For somebody who's already wondering, what am I doing wrong? How can I be better? And hearing those messages, I think it takes those kids a lot longer to fully appreciate what they're capable of and, and understanding the, the impact that they have on their teams. Um, so that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it wasn't yeah. until my late 20s that I was like, oh, I didn't have to be talked to this way. Like I was going to be okay because I had it in me to, to just push to be better. Um, yeah. And I know you and I have talked about that with, with some kids that, that we know um, yeah. as well. Yeah. Do you think that it happens more in females than males? Um, do you think, uh, or do you think it's not a female male thing at all? Meaning would a male just go, why don't you just shut up? Um, whereas the female might be more compliant. I mean, or the opposite way. I could, I could definitely see that uh, being married to a, a male athlete and seeing how him and his teammates um, acted. Um, boys are definitely more likely to be like, shut up. I'm so good. Mm-hmm. Or like, even if they're not so good, like they think they're so good. Yeah, uh, whereas, yeah. like I said before, girls just like are looking for like some kind of positive reinforcement and they're they girls want to feel like you have their best interests at heart. If you mm-hmm. as a coach can like let girls know that you want the best for them, that is step one. And once a girl feels like you've got their best interests at heart, they will run through a brick wall for you. Mm-hmm. But if mm-hmm. they don't trust that you believe in them and want them to succeed they will keep the walls up and they you won't get the most that you can out of them um because they want to just have that relationship so much more Mm -hmm. so my question is to follow up on this because i love this theme especially and again i'm speaking as a dad of two daughters but but with regard to coaching uh my girls in soccer and, and, and a team sport how does that relationship with your teammates change or, or how do you understand it or what do you look for in a teammate that is trying to do the same things that you might be doing with regard to to pleasing somebody that maybe isn't themselves that's a very good question um and it's something that i've struggled with my my whole life i would say um i grew up playing with boys and against boys and my examples of what competitors looked like were boys and men um So when I was old enough to finally play sports, I was way too intense for a lot of the little girls I was playing with. And this continued until like my late 20s, Um, just because the way that boys and girls operate is just so different. Um, But now that I feel like I've I've been around for a while and, and taken the time to kind of think about it for me. Um, I feel like there, there do have to be different roles on a team. Um, 
the way I think a big team, like a soccer team, it's really easier to diffuse personalities. Um, and it's way easier to kind of like find your group within the bigger team setting in smaller teams. It's not so easy. So it comes down to, to finding somebody who's complementary to you, um, personality wise, skill wise. Um, but I think the big thing is just respect. You have to respect the, the people that you're going to battle with and they need to respect you. And, um, that comes from how you treat them every day. That comes from how you communicate with them. If you're listening to them, um, and things like that. So I think that that kind of goes across the board for boys and girls. I think for girls, it's like a little more of a factor, um, than boys, but, um, it's hard. I I think that's interesting. That's a, it's a great answer. It's a great question, Jimmy. You should be lauded for the question. Yeah, that was a great hard question. Yeah, that is a hard one. <clears throat> He's got 17 more written down. Um, <laughs> I, I also think, though, your answer is so well articulated and thought out. And I wonder if you would have given the same response at 25. My guess I think is you probably and I both not. know that probably yeah. not. It was a rhetorical question and a question because, again, I have, I'm in a unique position that I currently work with you, right? And I'm, I, consider myself extremely fortunate to do so um, because of, I think, how articulate you are and how your growth has has shown itself over the last seven or eight years and the work you've done as an athlete and a person. And as I, as I listen to your answer, again, I think she's got some unique experiences, Jimmy, because she's been on teams in a soccer type of setting, but, you know, volleyball where there's, you know, 10, 12 players, right? And so you get to, you get to do very similar things. And then she's been in, in beach, which is two. Right. And then so as you start to navigate a relationship with two people, um, you know, again, I think there Sarah's in a, in a great position because she has had these experiences and isn't able to reflect on them differently as a, a 32 year old. Three. 33 year old, 33 year old. Uh, way to um, sell her out, Lee. That's nice of you. Well, I was going to say 23, <laughs> but that would have. Yeah. Uh, so, Nobody so would believe that, but <clears throat> they might've, um, so, you know, as an older athlete, and I think you, Jimmy, you and I have talked about this with you, you know, being an older athlete, you're able to reflect on those experiences. And then that, that, that puts you in a different place as you go into those next performance areas of your life. And, and so being able to understand that it is about respect, that it is about those types of things is massive, you know, and I would say that's across the board, male and female, although perhaps females are, are perhaps better articulating it. You know, and saying this is what I I need or or I'm looking for was men will be like, why don't you just shut up and I'll go do my shit and you go do yours and then we're all sorted out. Here we go. And that's not the way it is all the time. But um, yeah, no, it's good good question and and I think a very honest answer. I'd I'd like to add that I think men also hold on to the resentment. It feels like a little bit more. Like I don't I won't express myself. But then I'll hold on to something that's been bothering me for 10 or 15 years. And not to say the females don't do that, but I feel like females might be more willing to share that and maybe want to express themselves in a, in a more peaceful and meaningful and articulate way as opposed to a guy who I feel like, I just want, I'm going to go run and work out. That's how I'm going to express my feelings, you know? So it, it's interesting to, to see how different I, people and different I think that's interesting stuff. because I think, Sarah, you want to tackle that? Because I would say you process it very much like Jimmy does sometimes in terms of being frustrated. So for that male female thing doesn't necessarily apply to you. I wouldn't say. Um, I would definitely say that I tend 
My nature is to operate more on the male side of things. Um, just like playing with girls when it's a lot of feelings. Younger Sarah would have been like, well, what the, what the hell's your problem? Just get over it and just be better. Like, I she don't was gonna, care. She was going to curse. I but she does. She, she, <laughs> she can do it. You can do it. Uh, just to really hammer home the, the, male, the male side. I almost did when I caught it. Um, <laughs> but, and that was fine up until a point because, again, my personality was diffused by so many people. So it was just like, well, there's Sarah being a real bitch again. Like, let's just deal with it. At least we have each other. But in moving to, to like a two-person team, me being that like dominant or more aggressive personality just didn't work. And I am a caring person. I, it, it comes out a little more aggressively than a lot of people want and can deal with. But um, once I made the commitment to be like, I really need to meet my teammates where they are, and that is toning it down a little bit. I can be myself on the inside, but express it in a way that will help my teammates shine and put their best self forward. Um, and I need to be able to make my teammates feel like they are the most important thing um, in this relationship. What I find interesting about what you're saying is that now I feel like you're having more success because of this mindset change in some ways, whereas... I think the hard part for me when I was transitioning through my career and, and working through, well, trying to get success and then getting there was, well, that worked for me. That one way worked for me to get to the top. I don't know how to change, but it seems like you had the maturity to say something has to change. And now it's nice to see that you've had some crazy success because of the change and that you've had this reflection and, and gone on to do some good things. And that must be really rewarding inside. It is, and it took a really painful time in my life to be able to come out of it. My last partnership, I was me. I was unapologetically the way I wanted to be, and that didn't work for my partnership. And when, that, when we decided to go our separate ways, I had a choice of I can either keep doing this and we were successful. We were very good, but we weren't the best. So I can keep doing this and be really good, or I can really hone in on what it means to be a great partner and a great teammate and potentially become the best. So it was not a great situation. I was, I was not happy in that situation, but self-reflection and why did this end and what could I have done better to make it more successful, it definitely led me to that conclusion. And, and you're right, we, our performance and, and the success we've had, I won't say it's just because of that. Um, I'm very lucky to play with a really, a really great athlete, but um, it's definitely made a big difference. Yeah, I think, and, and maybe talk, we can talk about this a little bit. Um, I do think that you are playing at that level because of the changes you've made. I think you would say that you enjoy your experiences um, differently now, you know, better or worse. It's not for me to categorize, but I think you could, you could say what you want there. But I do think, you know, with you and, and Mel, who was your partner in your world championship last year, um, really look like you looked like and currently look like, as we think about the team now, you have 
come together and work together. And we're doing it uh, both looking at each other going, I need to improve here. I need to improve here. And that is, that is, as you think about every team, if you can start with two and you got two people that get along and then the other two get along, then that's four, right? And then another two and all of a sudden it's six. And that's really the building blocks of a team. And we were very fortunate. And we had two people who are obviously very elite athletes, but also that were willing to go, I need to do this. And then we need to do this. And being able to recognize and do those types of things, uh, I do think led you to a world championship. Quite honestly, put you in a in a really good spot to do well in in Tokyo next year. I agree. Um, I think a big word that we use is vulnerability, and it's not something that comes easy to many people. But um, so many people hold back what they're thinking or feeling, or refuse to ask for help for fear of looking weak or incompetent and we decided um at the beginning of the last season that that's not that can't be a thing for us and if our team is going to be successful we need to be vulnerable and just like be 100% transparent and honest without judgment um so building off of what you just said I think that's another piece that uh really helped us get to the next level let's talk about the Tokyo Olympics, because obviously as a high level athlete, you're, you're mentally preparing for such a big and monumentous moment in your career. Now I played in the 2006 world cup. If that had been delayed by a year, maybe the coach wouldn't have taken me in 2007. You know, there's a lot of different things, or maybe I wouldn't have been healthy or whatever it is. How does that interrupt your preparation mentally with your partner for yourself? Uh, and also I think the secondary thing would be I assume you're one of the favorites, right? To win the gold medal. How do you, how do you manage that pressure as well? Yeah. It was a you can real, start, you can take uh, any part of that question you want and you can run with it. It was a real bummer when the Olympics were moved. Um, we, so our season was canceled like a week before our first tournament. So we had been, we pretty much finished our preseason. We were playing at a very, very high level. Um, and I was certain that we were going to win gold at the Olympics. I just, I felt like we were building and continuing the momentum that we had generated in, in the season before. And I was so, it was scary almost. Cause I'm like, Holy shit, we're, we're going to do this. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, everything happened. So Originally, the Canadian Olympic Committee said that we wouldn't be going if the Olympics did happen. So that was like step one of just like trauma. And then finding out that the Olympics as a whole were going to be delayed a year was like relief, gratitude. Okay, great. We still get a chance. But then it became like, okay, we don't know when we're going to play again. We don't know when we're going to see each other again. Like what happened to all this momentum that we were feeling in this preseason? Like, is that going to continue? Um, are we going to pick up again and just like feel the same and feel that same like chemistry and confidence and everything? Or, or is this going to be a time where the teams who maybe weren't as good or maybe catch up because they have another year? Like all of these things obviously are going through my head. And I mean there's nothing I can do about it. It's something that's out of my control, but, um, it's not ideal. <laughs> so I kind of just approached this as an opportunity to do things that I never get to do. 
um, working out in ways that I never get to do because my workouts are always very performance based. And so now like I'm running, which I never, ever thought in my life that I would do. And I'm really bad at it, but it's fine. Or like taking my classes or connecting with kids and coaching them online and stuff. So instead of dwelling on all of this, I, I chose to see it as an opportunity to grow and do what I can off the court to to prepare as best I can for when we can join each other again. Um, as far as feeling pressure, I would say I don't feel pressure performance-wise. I mean, when you step out onto the court, your first match at the Olympics. I mean, I've played in front of way bigger crowds many times in my career, but there's just something about stepping out onto the Olympic court the first match where your legs are shaking for like the first 10 points and you're like, what the heck is happening? But so there's like that excitement and the nerves associated with that. Um, but I think the big thing for me is I went to Rio and we, we were good enough to medal. We didn't, we lost to the gold medalist in the quarterfinals, but the expectation wasn't there necessarily in the same way that it is now. And seeing the way that Melissa and I can play together and the success that we've had and just the confidence we have, it's a little scary. Um, I'm 33. Um, I'm planning on playing another Olympics after this, but to know that like, this is, this is my chance. And like, if it's going to happen, like this is when it's going to happen. And just like all the thought processes that come around that. And like, are we going to play as well as we can? Are like, are we going to blow this? Like if we don't win gold this time, like I'm going to be 38 next Olympics, like what? And so just like dealing with all of those thoughts in, in being like, well, this is my chance. And so I feel like I'm putting pressure on myself in that way. Um, but not necessarily performance-based. I think, um, first of all, that answer is very candid. You know what I mean? Very open and, and very honest in a in a person who is still involved in that journey, which I would expect nothing less from you. Uh, I'm being too honest in all my answers. People are going to be like, oh man, what a disaster. No, no, be <laughs> no because way. this is what I think is, is amazing about you because I've watched you do this. You went through this, typical thing I think that that people go through when they have these these experiences and you go through these stages and you can come out the other side going this is stupid everything sucks I suck the world sucks or you can take it and you can make it as an opportunity which you've chosen to do which your partner has chosen to do and meanwhile here you are getting better and improving as a person with your volleyball skills that are going to stay intact with your team identity and all of the things that we put together still being intact and as you continue to do this, and you and I have talked about this, you're adding to an already quality skill set, right? And so whether you're, you're, your favorites or not is not for us to determine, right? But what it is what it is showing is that you can take something and you can go, this is my chance to get better, and here I am going to get better. And then when you get back on the court, and I think we've talked about this as well, the you're going to look at each other and you're going to go, oh, I remember you. I remember you. And, you know, by the way, I can fucking cook now. Uh, and by the way, I also have a master's degree in this and I can do other things. Oh, me too. And then I can. And all of a sudden, here you go. Um, and so, again, very candid answer. And I think as, I've, as we've talked, it's all things you can improve on, which, again, some of that research that we've talked about would show that's you're adding to your skill set, you know, which is awesome. 
Thanks. What I what I would add there, Sarah, and, and what I hear from both of you guys, but but specifically in your answers, is the power of choice. Now, for me, I was not highly recruited out of high school, so I made a choice. Like I'm going to walk on. I'm going to figure it out. Then I won a national championship at UCLA. You won one at Nebraska, so we have that in common. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't get drafted into the professional league. There was four other seniors that did, and I didn't. So again, I had to make a choice. Do I want to go down to the lower divisions and fight my way up? And I did. And I made that choice and, and I figured out a way to, to solve that problem. So I love those answers because I think everybody's looking for shortcuts to get to the top. And I think the big secret is there are no shortcuts. And, and, and by making the choice and, and, and by making that commitment to the, having that singular focus, I think is, is very important. What's interesting though, as I got older, as to what Lee said a little bit earlier, when you get older and you can look back, that singular focus, though helped you become successful, in some ways was a weakness because you didn't allow yourself to be well-rounded, which you're now taking advantage of and, and seeing things in, in a different vantage point. And, and I can see it now, too, looking back on my career. Uh, thankfully, you're still in yours and you have that uh, otherworldliness. So hopefully that can apply in a positive way. But I just kind of wanted to relate to you in some ways because even though I don't have your wild success, I, I did accomplish a few things. and and. Uh, I think the power of choice is, is really important. And if any younger people are listening, uh, it, it's, it's something they should take away from this podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I also think the involvement of like, this goes back to Johnny O'Brien, who we had on in a couple of podcasts ago. Um, it's another former athlete, soccer player, Sarah, and he talked about balance, you know, and finding balance in your life as you move through things and whether that's involving other people to help you with balance or, or, you know, your, your significant other, because by the time you are in your late twenties, early thirties, there's a lots of times where you're involved with family and finding that balance, you know, instead of just the singular focus uh, and finding that different way to get through the maze and through the gauntlet that could actually make your journey enjoyable um, is, is difficult. Um, and, but finding balance is, I think you've, you've done an amazing job of, I would say. Thank you. And I, I did take time. I look back on college and stuff and I was so focused on my grades and on volleyball that I didn't have a social life um, really. And in high school, like I was with national team programs and stuff. I don't regret any of that. Don't get me wrong. And I know that it's what made me who I am, but it was definitely like one track, one way of doing things. Um, and I think, you know, when you have big goals, that's that's definitely key. But as you move into the professional realm, if, if I were to dwell on every single practice and every single match all day, every day, I would go insane. Um, and I used to. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't great. Um, so, yeah, I think practice, do everything you need to do there take everything you have to take away from it, set goals and performance objectives there, but like live your life when you're outside of it and be happy and, and go have dinner with your friends and go have a beer or whatever. It's Mm -hmm. important. Well, Sarah, that was awesome. So good luck to you once everything gets going again. And of course in the Olympics in Tokyo next summer, that is very exciting. And you definitely have a fan in both of us and I'm sure the audience too. So thank you so much for your time and for your candidness. It was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. And for everyone listening at home, make sure you follow Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Pavin and on Instagram at Sarah underscore Pavin. And then let her know that she's got a new fan in you if you weren't one already. 
And of course, make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you've yet to do so. And please leave a rating and review too, because we would really appreciate it so that we can continue to mind your business every Wednesday and Saturday. Talk to you soon. Thank you.